0: Matt Brown in his ninth year as head coach here at North Carolina says his team is ready to play. They are loose. They took the reins off them, and they are ready to play. Meanwhile, his counterpart on the other side of the field, Coach West, Tommy West, in his third season at Clemson, he really downplays his team's success on the road. We'll talk about that a little bit later. North Carolina winning the toss, they defer Clemson to receive, and the football season is underway. Antoine Edwards takes a knee five yards deep in the end zone.
1: Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by t-shirt.com the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. What is good, everybody? Thanks for being here on another InsideCarolina.com podcast. This is another episode of the throwback i'm just your host joey powell appreciate y'all joining us today uh with me today to talk about the 1996 season opener carolina football against clemson Uh, happened in 1996 we've got tommy ashley and lee pace two guys who remember that game very well uh we're going to run through that and kind of hopefully Remind you guys of what was a really, really awesome afternoon in Keenan Stadium, a balmy day from what I could tell, Uh, and just want to tell you guys how much we appreciate you being here. Uh, All listeners and viewers are checking us out on YouTube. Uh, Please make sure you follow us, follow Inside Carolina. Uh, If you're not a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you're missing out on just about everything, Uh, but make sure you rate and review this podcast. It really helps us out, so take a second. Tell us if you like it. Uh, Five-star reviews are amazing. If you don't like it, shoot us a quick email. Uh, Let us know that you don't like what's going on. We'll try to give you better content. I will try to be better. That is my commitment to you, the listener. And I want to give a shout-out to Johnny T-Shirt. We'll talk a little bit more about them a little bit later. But uh, always sponsoring the great content that we put together for Inside Carolina. And they are huge supporters of ours, so we love them. Appreciate them being along for the ride. But guys, nineteen ninety six, uh, Tommy Ashley, Lee Pace, Tommy, how you feeling?
2: Man, I, it's hard to believe it's been twenty five years ago since that ball game, and uh, you know Lee's the expert. But just rewatching the game uh, <laughs> over the last few days, forty five nothing, you think well, it was blowout from the start? It was a much different ball game than I remembered. Uh, from from looking back that far but yeah it, it is certainly relevant it was very relevant then it's certainly very relevant now 25 years ago man that's a kick in the pants Lee how you feeling man
3: <laughs> oh good uh Joy. thanks thanks for having me on here uh yeah quarter of a century guy uh, quite a long time but um you know th- that game was was so significant for Carolina football and and Mac Brown's you know volume one career at Chapel Hill it was the kickoff to yeah, I kind of break that those 10 years that he had here from 88 to 97, kind of into four different eras. There was the uh, you know, the first two years of just plugging the dike, um, <laughs> rebuilding the offense one year, the defense the next year. Uh, the next three years or four years from 90 to 95 was proving that they could win and they, they that they would win, uh, which they did. 94, 95 was kind of a transition era of uh, – um, tweaking the defense and the the defensive mindset of letting the kids that they had recruited after having shown that they could win, which was a different level than they recruited at the very beginning, just letting those kids evolve and then making the decision to go in a different direction offensively by hiring Greg Davis from Georgia to run the West coast offense. So you had a lot of things coalescing. Clemson had been a thorn in the Tar Heels side for two decades, having won 17 games over 20 years of the previous years and uh clips was going through a little bit of a stumble up at this time in the mid-90s itself with uh tommy west with his five-year run so a lot of things coming together and then one thing that really stuck out at me watching the game was was all the clay and the dirt at the uh, the left side of the screen over in the west end because that was the the year that the 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 West End expansion, the Frank Keenan Center was being built up over the course of the 96 season. So just a lot of things going on in this game.
1: I love that you mentioned that uh, in some of my notes kind of setting up the game and I'll, I'll help set the scene for our listeners and, and viewers. Uh, it was the season opener. Uh, if I remember correctly, and guys, correct me if I'm wrong, Hurricane Fran came through right after this game, right? The very next week. Yep. That's so, right, Syracuse.
3: Yeah. Uh, when Carolina went to Syracuse one week later, uh, they traveled uh, during the aftermath of uh, Fran. That's right.
1: Um, it's something I learned during the, the rebroadcast via, via a commercial from ABC. Tiger Woods's pro debut would come this very same weekend at the Greater Milwaukee Open. So, again, if you want to feel old, just think about that. Um, and then I also had a note that the Keenan Football Center, as Lee just mentioned, was just dirt and cranes at this point so it's it's really cool to look and see how open everything looks and then when they cut to the some of the all 22 looks you can see that giant pile of dirt and a couple of cranes and some some diggers but uh, resetting the year before uh, you know Clemson has just hired Daryl Moody from Chapel Hill who we know now as part of Mac Brown 2.0 uh, UNC had lost to Clemson the year before 17 to 10. Uh, five interceptions, I believe, between the quarterbacks then. This was a, a, a debut from a kid that I had. He's uh, not a kid anymore, but at the time was a kid um, that I had on a throwback in the past, Chris Keldorf, joining the Tar Heels from Palomar Junior College out in, uh, out in California. Uh, I remember North Carolina returned almost all of their offense uh, with the exception of the quarterback. And then the, what I really want to start talking about is how slick and deep and fast this defense look I mean, this was. You know, I love your frame, Lee. When you talk about kind of the four divisions of that first run for Mac Brown, at this point he's got the Ferrari, and you could really see it in this defense, Lee. What jumped out at you rewatching this game about uh, about the the actual players, the jimmies and Joes on, in the Tar Heel blue?
3: Well, the most significant thing was the fact that uh, from the very first snap, you had Dre Bly and Robert Williams lined up face to face, hands coverage on Clemson's. Uh, outside receivers. 96 was also the arrival of Ron Case as the secondary coach from LSU and his last year at LSU they played press man coverage 75 percent of the time and he wanted to be able to do that at Carolina when he got here but wasn't sure but during spring practice in 96 he saw Williams and Bly and what they could do and knew they could play it and that was just a totally different mindset because Carolina had you know, always kind of been known as fly the friendly skies of Carolina. Um, <laughs> just, just not very good in the secondary, and they early '90s started the the Rude Boys mantra and uh-huh. starting to get good, but they still were fairly soft in the secondary. They were getting better athletically, but with Dre Bly, Robert Williams, and Ron Case, it, it just totally changed the mindset. And that plus. You had the horses up front. You had Greg Ellis, you had Bonnie Holiday, Michael Pringley, Rick Terry, uh, Russell Davis, all those guys up front. It's some great linebackers. So it all coalesced in just a, a remarkable two year run of defense where the, where the Tar Heels gave up an average of 11 and a half points a game, 215 yards per game over those two years. Ball is on the 42 yard line. The Tigers, with good field position. On
0: first and ten, Smith and Priester out of the eye. The option package. Green keeps it himself and gained maybe a yard, tackled by Andre Purvis and Greg Ellis.
1: That'll definitely get it done. Uh, I love that you mentioned uh, Dre Bly and and Robert Williams off the jump because I think the first pass play, uh, Clemson's quarterback, Nealon Green, threw, Dre had a really, really good read on it, broke on the ball, and was playing man coverage you know, from the line uh, and, and knocked it away cleanly, which is not something you expect to see out of a true freshman and would be a great foreshadowing of, of things to come. Tommy, what do you remember the first time you went back and saw this again? How did the, how did the actual dudes on the field jump out at you?
2: Look, when you've got Greg Ellis covering punts <laughs> – you know, that's what I – I mean, it's incredible that you've got that amount of defense. Uh, it, you know, go back to the Sun Bowl in 94 where Texas came back and won, and legend has it uh, that Mac said, we're going to do something different on defense or, or people are going to be switched up. And they went to the aggressive style defense and is recruiting over that time frame to get those guys. I mean, when I'm watching, of course, the pads are bigger back then. The Huge. neck rolls. You neck got rolls, big.
1: pads, shoulder pads <laughs> are as big as, as-
2: – Car hubcaps, yes. And you've got um, a linebacking core as as intimidating looking as Carolina's, and they could play, and they could run. Uh, the announcers on that game talked about the side-to-side speed and all. But I think, and Lee talked about it, and you hit on it too, I think what signified the serious change of Carolina under Mac uh, the first time around was Dre Bly and Robert Williams. They changed the game. When they can cover one-on-one, it allows Omar Brown to run. Uh, Joe Mulligans was out there to run and, and make plays. But Bly and Williams being able to lock down those corners for Cle- or those receivers for Clemson, I mean, it's like feeding frenzy for the, front line, for the front seven for North Carolina. I remember Carolina's always had some pretty solid defensive linemen, but they could always go over the top and throw the ball deep on Carolina and, and run it when they had to. This game showed me one thing, and I said earlier it was a very different game. Clemson could do nothing, and Clemson got some gifts, turnovers from Keldor for early one, and could do nothing running the football. And, you know, I know the announcers talked about Clemson's turmoil and all that, whatever. They still – you know that those guys had to be shocked that they simply couldn't get a running game going. And that was the difference. And then when you throw in Bly and Williams – It was certainly, you know, and this is probably premature in this show, but watching that game again and then knowing how that season played out and the season subsequent to that, it makes me wonder what life would have been like in Chapel Hill had Mac carried forth because what he was building there, figuratively and literally with the building in the end, uh, was something special to watch going back 25 years ago.
0: (laughs) Up until that last interception, Green, Elon Green, the quarterback, number 15, hadn't thrown an interception in 139 consecutive passes coming into this game. And, you know, he never saw Brian Simmons at all. He was locked into his receiver, and he never saw Simmons in his drive. And another big hit. Oh, yeah, it's Dre Ding. Dre Bly hit Joe Woods real hard. And Mac doesn't like it either. He wants discipline out of his players. He's letting them know you jumped up, you you celebrated, and I'm on the rules committee, and I'll tell you what, they're gonna flag you for
3: that. They're Joey, really one cool. joy, one thing to follow up on your comment on that play with Dre Bly early in the game. If if you notice on the film also that he popped out of there and was celebrating and raising some hell after the big play. And Mac Brown grabbed him and, and read, him a, read him the Riot Act, and and Dre will laugh about that, and he talks about that mentality even today, that that uh, you know Mac Brown is no different 25 years later in that you know you're going to make a big play, but you're not going to celebrate, and you're not going to showboat and hot dog like that, and so that was a significant element of that. And and Tommy, you mentioned the the Sun Bowl in '94 go back one game to the Duke game at the end of the year where Carolina had to pull out a 41 to 40 win at Duke. That was the, uh, the the key turning point. There was a kid named John Jensen, a Duke receiver who just ran nuts all over the middle with just little little short ding passes that Carolina couldn't stop. And that add that to the Sun Bowl, that's when Max said we've got to change things up and they started building toward that in 95, and it all came together
1: in 96. Lee, I appreciate the nod. Again, in my notes, I had uh, at 429 of the third quarter, Dre Bly murders a wide out after a catch. He is, uh, as the kids say nowadays, lit. And then your point, Lee, Matt grabs him by the collar and absolutely gives him a few choice words. I think that's neat because knowing what we know now, about the relationship between those two guys, Dre Bly and Mac Brown, and knowing what Dre Bly now means to the program uh, with Max' resurgence. Do we feel like, you know, you mentioned that Dre still talks about that. Tommy, what did you feel like seeing that, you know, knowing what we know now? Yeah,
2: foreshadowing, right? It, yeah. It, you're going to do it. You're going to do it like you're supposed to do it, but you're going to do it right. <clears throat> and you're going to do it with some class. And Bly was flamboyant back then. I mean, you could see it returning punts early in that game.
1: Leopard don't change his spots, man.
2: Exactly. And he's the same way now. But the respect that he got from early on from Mac Brown has built what he is today. And it's built that relationship. And it's why today he can recruit like he can and, and do it honestly. He doesn't have to guess or, or doesn't have to assume what Mac Brown thinks and how Mac Brown works. He's lived it from day one at Carolina. And it's paid off today. It, it was fascinating to watch because you see a lot of guys, and and I'm I'm old, but I'm still like I enjoy see some of the celebrations, but sometimes it's over the top. And watching Dre back then, it could have gotten over the top if he yeah. wasn't reined in. And Mac did that. And, and yeah, I mean, it's all it, it all runs together over the last 25 years to what it is today. And it was fascinating to watch. Um, on- Lee, I
1: love the comment you made introducing you know, the rude boys concept because it was starting to show uh, the, the beginnings of it. The seeds were starting to sprout at that point. What do you think we can draw as parallels now between what we saw in that game from Dre Bly, uh, the you know, young, as green as he could be, uh, freshman playing and now what we see as Dre Bly, the defensive backs coach and the recruiter and the coach, what do you think the parallels are and how much did you see in this game of what we know now?
3: Well, I think it always goes back to recruiting and how good are your players. I mean, we all love to talk about X's and O's and schemes and halftime adjustments. But one thing just from, from following Mac's program beginning in 1988 um, is that it's it's all about recruiting. Uh, it's all about how good are your players and here was a man who was obsessed 24-7, 365 with recruiting and bringing the right right guys in. And the first couple of classes, all they could sign were kids who just bought into the vision, who were in-state kids, who always wanted to play at Carolina. Then they had to prove they could win. Once they proved they could win, then they were able to get yet another level of player. And those are the kids that evolved into the players that uh, were, were now – sophomores, juniors, and seniors in 96 and 97. So, you know, we, we love to talk about scheming and X's and O's and all that. And I just did earlier and talk about the West Coast offense and being more aggressive on defense. That's fun to talk about, but it still goes back to how good are your players? And that's what we're seeing, seeing Mac is doing now. Uh, Mac and Dre and the entire staff is they are loading up on in-state players. They're going out of state selectively. They are recruiting against Alabama, Michigan, uh, Miami, just the, the juggernaut programs, they are starting to limit the outside programs coming into the state, although Clemson then, as always, is going to be an issue. But it's, it's always about getting the right players, then developing them. And we're, we're seeing that happen already now. So it's volume two of Mac is the same as volume one. It just looks a little bit different.
2: And, Joey, let me chime in here. When Mac Bra- got there in 88, I don't want to say he burned it to the ground, to start it back, but he cleaned house in 88 and 89. I mean, I was there from 89 to 93 observing it and I had some friends on the team that did not make it under Mac Brown 1.0 in 88 and 89. So from watching it uh, play out from on campus, it was bad going one and 10, one and 10, but you could see, and like Lee said, he's selling a vision. And at the time, there was no results To to No. So he sold uh, his plan, and it worked, and it was able to build forward. Flash to now, he's doing the same thing. He just started on a a little bit better plane and and pushing forward. So, you know, you've got a coach who, uh, you know, a lot of coaches, you and I could drive a Ferrari pretty fast, right, Joey? I mean, we might wreck it eventually, but even a well-oiled machine will run by itself for a while without any attention. Mike came in and started off with nothing and then ran off a fair amount to start to do it his way. And it, you know, that 90 game against Georgia tech when they tied the eventual national champions mm-hmm. and then building up to here, 94, 95 seasons were okay. And then like we're talking about this game it sort of kicked it off into the next level for carolina at the time which was a huge leap compared to where it had been Um, and that's why i think it's relevant and we can talk more about it later today the levels are different but the jump could be as significant
3: one one thing i think guys it's fascinating is 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 mac followed dick crumb the first time he followed larry fedora the second time Both his predecessors, outstanding coaches, had great success at Carolina at different levels, Mm -hmm. Um, great men, no hint of scandal under either one, ran great programs, solid programs. But for whatever reason, Carolina had become not the cool place in both the Crom era and the Fedora era. And one thing Max said that still resonates, every time we sign somebody new or get a commitment from somebody now, I think back to his introductory press conference and he said we were the cool place in the 90s we will become the cool place again now and that is exactly what's happening you can see the momentum momentum cuts guys a wide swath in both directions and we were in an, an awful negative downward swirl of momentum at the end of the crumb and fedora eras and Mac has turned it around, and now in a great upswing of momentum, both times uh, in the late '80s, early '90s, and now in 2021.
1: So I, I love that this is the direction you guys are taking this in. So let's talk about the the actual um, the actual depth that you are beginning to see. So so Lee Lee framed it, and and Tommy did a good job talking about how he kind of. Uh, nuke the landscape and then you know uh, Ali talked about the first two years you're rebuilding then you're starting to sell kids on a vision and showing that you can win at this point he's got the depth he's got buy-in and look no further than the guys that played on the defensive line in this game for Carolina and and when they list the starters you know it's 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 somewhat impressive I mean you see the starters tried out there uh, on the on the defensive front Greg Ellis future pro Vonnie Holiday, future pro Mike Prangley and Rick Terry and Russell Davis. I, I, I think uh, Davis started instead of Rick Terry. But by the time you watch the game, and this is, again, this is what jumps off the screen at me when I rewatch this. You saw guys Andre Purvis. You saw the aforementioned Greg Ellis. You saw Rick Terry. You did see Russell Davis. You saw Tito Simpson getting some play. You saw Vonnie Holiday, You saw Mike Prangley. I think there are one or two other guys. But, again, what overwhelmed me was, wow, this really is uh, an, an eight- Or a nine-man defensive front that's getting real burn in this game. Is this the first time that we're starting to see what Mac wants it to be, Uh, Lee? I'll go to you first.
3: Oh, sure. Uh, You know, Carolina has not been this as good at the defensive front in twenty-five years as it was in '96 and '97. Uh, some glimpses of it under Butch Davis uh, came real close to it. Uh, John Bunning's first year, when uh, Tar Heels had Julius Peppers and Ryan Sims and a couple other guys, were sort of close to it. But but now they're they're coming back, and you've got to have the depth, you've got to have the strength and conditioning, you've got to have the program to keep the kids healthy. And one thing I, I was just astounded looking back at the starters in the '96 season, and this is this works on offense as well. Mm-hmm. You got 22 starters on both sides of the ball. Over those two years, no, over the '96 season, nine positions on defense, on offense, had the same player start every game the entire year, and two of those were just one-off. Uh, that was uh, Chris Keldorf missing the Gator Bowl at the end of the year because of a. Of a broken foot, and I think Russell Davis may not have started one game, um, but but other than that, you just had that consistency. You had the depth, and you had the consistency, and those guys playing together, game after game after game, and you're not having to pitch and and put a patchwork lineup together. Up, it was so important over those two years. Second down and nine. Green with the
0: play fit. going up top has a man on the slant, incomplete. Intended for Woods. Robert Williams, the sophomore, staying right with Woods. And that's the man-to-man coverage that was gonna be the focus and matchup and perhaps deciding factor of this game, John. And so far, the Tar Heels are winning that edge. Williams is a converted strong safety. He's a backup strong safety in the spring. They moved him over the quarterback. So far today, I'm very impressed with the play of the corners on the passes that the Tigers have been able to catch today. They have never really beaten anybody that well. Four wideouts in for Clemson on third down and nine, 2:35 to play. They throw it back on the flanker screen, complete to Crooks, but he's way short of the first down. Tito Simpson making the tackle, and there's that speed I'm talking about. That's a defensive lineman who's able
2: to hustle over and make
1: the play. Tommy, what jumped out at you about these guys, other than the fact that, one, they were huge, and two, there was a lot of them?
2: And to the point about starting every game, it's because they didn't have to play every game, all game. Right? Uh, like, we, we refer to Crawford and Strowbridge um, a couple of years ago all the time that played to um, combine more stat, snaps than the entire defensive line for Clemson did that year. Uh, I mean... So Mac was able to do it. Yeah, it was fascinating to watch. I mean, Tito Simpson made a play. Mm -hmm. That's a name I hadn't heard probably Mm -hmm. since then, you know, and he was out there making plays. Look, I've said it before. I'll say it again, and I repeat myself often. The defensive line is where you win in college football. You have to be good and you have to be deep to play with the big boys. Mac knew it then. He showed it in '96 and then '97, um, and some in '98 um, when he had left. That those those defensive lines were as good as any in college football, and to be able to run nine guys out there, eight nine guys out there, and then not only that, I mentioned it earlier, have defensive linemen covering punts because they had the depth to do it, and he wanted his best players on special teams. The man gets it; he got it then. Um, you know, Clemson didn't know what had hit him. That's what I took. I mean, Tommy West, I, we can talk about his coaching ability, but he looked lost. And he whole day. And
1: it, well, so one thing that jumped out at me, I love that you pointed that out, uh, Uh, He wasn't wearing a headset, so I have no idea who he was talking to or what he was doing, but every time the camera panned to Tommy West during this game, he had this look of the the forlorn uh, beaten sea captain who has just lost his boat in a hurricane and has no idea what he's going to do next because he's just walking around with his hand on his face uh, and just kind of doesn't really seem connected with what's happening. And, all right, so we've reset the entire defense of UNC. You know, linebackers, I think, were Streets and Smith's best position group uh, preseason of the year. We talked about uh, the young guys in the back. We talked about the depth of defensive line. So the final score was 45 to nothing. But we got to at least acknowledge the guys that put up the 45, right? So Chris Keldorf coming in first game, um, as I mentioned, coming in from from JUCO, you've got uh, a new – uh, new offense under Greg Davis, what we saw was a little bit of pro style, a little bit of traditional eye, but those West coast concepts, Lee, did you, do you remember Chris Keldorf being, and again, he wasn't flashy and they're not throwing the ball 45 times a game. Like you see now with offensive, offensive uh, schemes and game plans. But do you re- did you remember Keldorf being as efficient despite his pick and despite the, what should have been another pick in this game, he looked efficient this game. Did you remember him being that efficient uh, before we came back and, and re-watched?
3: Well, yeah, absolutely. That set the tone. And uh, I remember that first pick, which was a bad one, just thrown over the middle right in the hands of a, of a Clemson linebacker, I believe it was. Uh, Greg Davis – and this was the first game that uh, Greg Davis and Chris Keldorf had, had worked together. So this was a, a big game for them for that relationship. And later Greg Davis said that he was – he was interested in what Keldorf's reaction would be on the headset after he threw the pick, whether he would be pissed or whether he said that, that Keldorf just said, my bad. I, I, I mean, I, I missed the read, uh, that won't happen again. And so Davis said that he just felt really comfortable after that. And, and what, what Keldorf did, ironically, he threw that bad pick, but what you would see as the year went on, was that he didn't make those kind of mistakes. And and Tommy mentioned it, or somebody mentioned earlier, the uh, interceptions at Clemson in 95. How about Mike Thomas throwing the three interceptions at Maryland in 95? You know, 95 was just an interception ravaged year. And that's one of the reasons, you know, Carolina had a little bit of a slip that year. But in Keldorf, you just had the cerebral nature, you had the good decision-making ability. He was not a particularly good runner, but he was an accurate passer. And then as we later found out, you had the gazelle in Oscar Davenport coming on. And so 97, the next year would be a one-two punch of, of Keldorf and Davenport playing. And, but it was, um, you know, everything in the early nineties, once Florida State came into the league, Mac Brown will tell you today, every decision they made was based on beating Florida State. And they saw what Florida State was doing with Charlie Ward, uh, throwing the ball around, uh, livening it up, and that's what they had to do. And 96 and 97, if you go back and look at it, Carolina doubled up yards gained passing over yards gained rushing back-to-back those first two years, and that was unheard of in Carolina football history. So the the die was cast in 96 and 97 that they were going to open it up they were going to start to find LC Stevens, Nay Brown, those guys, um, use their tight ends and Freddie Jones a lot more. And still, you had the running game with Leon Johnson. Keldorf has time, going back to the same guy,
0: Stevens. He took it to the house. Touchdown, Charlie. Oh, LC Stevens goes after one forward on the last touchdown. And this time his brother, Andy, gets picked on. And once again, it's a superior athlete matched one-on-one.
1: And, you know, Leon Johnson, returning guy who had kind of turned down, had, had spurned the NFL, came back, looked great. Uh, I love the, uh, the ABC announcing crew just kept hammering the natural nickname for Leon during this game, but, uh, Tommy, one of the things that jumped out at me in in this game again was, was Keldorf's presence as a pocket passer, but he wasn't a stiff. And I think a lot of folks may not remember that. I remember it was a play early in the game. He looked to his left to throw a uh, kind of a snap screen and then rolled back and moved the pocket back out to the right, which was something I don't think people knew that he had in his bag. Did you remember Keldorf being, um, a guy that was capable of, of not just standing back there and,
2: and planting his feet in concrete? He, uh, he moved better than I remembered thinking back. You know, he, here it is from a, a fan perspective way back then. Carolina, um, it, like Lee said, it was a little bit of a slip. And then you've got this guy coming from California um, that they say is good, but he's never played a D1 snap. He's a junior college guy, which is not a big thing for Carolina to have. And then you see him on the field, and his presence—I mean, the, it was a big boy out yeah, there, and he was able—he was able to move just enough. Um, and you got to give some credit to the offensive line. I mean, def- Clemson wasn't as good as they've been over the years, but their defensive line and defensive front was able to give Carolina some problems. But Keldorf was able to move and, like you said, roll it just enough to get time to make some plays. He was far better than anyone expected. Now, winning this game certainly set some expectations way, way up there. And for Mm -hmm. the most part, he lived up to it. But, Joey, I can't get away from thinking, watching this game, and I don't mean to divert off Keldorf, but Leon Johnson was such a stud. (laughs) I mean –
1: He had a lot of shake to him, didn't he?
2: He was – you know, if you'd have told me back then that he played – you know, 10, 12 years in the league, made a, made a lot of money and was just one of the best um, all purpose backs in the league. I would have said, absolutely. And how that, how it all works out is always strange to me. But Leon Johnson, man, what a talent that they had. And he was kind of, he shared it with Curtis Johnson at times, but he, such a fascinating watch. I would love to see, you know, he's like a Javante Williams, but bigger back then.
1: Well, and I, f- I always felt like he, at least watching this, uh, reminded me of how quickly he could get to top speed. And it, and I, again, I get the natural nickname because he was he, he looked <clears throat> he looked as if it was effortless whenever he did anything he did with the ball in his hand. Lee, do you re- do you remember much about how Leon uh, started his senior year? I, I think he only ended up with with eight hundred or so yards, and I say eight hundred like it's like it's nothing, but. Uh, he finished the season with 913 yards on 242 carries. But in this game, he broke it out early. Do you remember Leon being as, as much of a, a home run hitter once he became the guy and wasn't splitting carries?
3: Yeah, and, and, and remember, Leon was a quarterback in high school, so he had that speed and that running ability. And I remember a preseason scrimmage, I guess it would have been maybe before 92. I think he was re- redshirted in 92. Um he was running with the scout team in an August scrimmage and just made an unbelievable play. And everybody was just kind of whispering, like, who is this guy? And that was kind of when Leon, um, you know, laid the gauntlet down and showed people what he could do. And, and, and early on he, he shared time with Curtis Johnson and, you know, the infamous Johnson and Johnson twins. So that was a lot of fun. So by 96, he had the show and, uh, you know, it was just emblematic of the, the type of kids that, that carolina had at the time who were totally committed uh, who came to school for the right reasons stayed four years and got their degree and went on and had a successful career and went on to become great ambassadors for the program
1: morganton freedom's own so shout out to to that locale on the north carolina map all right guys let's get into a couple more things about the game specifically and then we'll we'll wrap this one up uh LC Stevens kind of had a coming out party. I think you know, they talked about UNC on the game. UNC not having a lot of proven guys uh, at receiver, and despite uh, the announcer uh, Mark Jones making the, the mistake a couple of times and called him Octo- Octavus Brown, um, Octavus Barnes was was hurt or was coming back off of a knee reconstruction, and LC Stevens really seized his opportunity. Lee, uh, LC being a you know being a, I guess a harbinger for things to come uh, really, really looked good connecting with Kildorf as if they had been, you know, uh, thrower and catcher for a long time.
3: Yeah. He was the prototypical, uh, uh, split end, uh, a flanker type. He he had the length, he had the speed. He was kind of a a new element to that West coast offense. And yeah, I I featured this game in my book on Kenan stadium football in a forest as being the premier, um, game of the 1990s just because he was so important and one of the pictures I was able to find from one of the local papers just showed LC on his 45-yard third quarter touchdown run where he is going to the east end zone and the photographer was in that end zone shooting back toward the west end zone which as we've talked about was just the, the the construction site and there's just a handful of Clemson players just splayed out on the ground in his wake. And it's just a, a great photo. And, and we use that, you know, in a large format and it just kind of, to me, really, really set the tone for the game and and what a dominant uh, game that was for Carolina and, and L.C. Stevens.
1: I'm, if you can't see, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, I'm trying to find that that uh, that picture, but my I'm, I'm not as quick uh, archiving through it as, as probably the author is. But, uh, Tommy, do you remember? Uh, do you remember LC Stevens looking as freakish as he did in this game? I mean, the dude had two big time touchdown catches, both were long bombs. And yeah, I know that he dropped in the end zone, uh, lost it when he hit the ground. Uh, but yeah, like Lee said, six, there's that photo. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. Clemson guys are way behind him. That photo Lee's got that he's showing on the screen right now for our YouTube viewers. I mean, he essentially left uh, two pretty good guys in the dust, and when he caught that ball you know, that picture does them some justice. It's just, it makes them look a lot closer than they actually were if you were watching from the press box. Tommy, do you remember uh, L.C. Stevens kind of being the stud that he showed out in
2: this game? Yeah, I remember him being, I mean, just, you know, that picture kind of shows it. I mean, A big man playing wide receiver and and had the speed. And it's not something that um, Carolina fans were really used to, to have somebody that, that big to be able to run and you're right, he, he was able to get separation, um, and if he couldn't get separation, he could overpower these Clemson backs, and he did it all year. I mean, he had, reportedly, 17.5 um, per catch that year for Keldorf in Davenport. You know, it's fascinating to me to see the difference in how offenses have changed, has, have changed over the years. I mean, we're talking about this West coast offense. (laughs) Greg Davis is going to come in and they're going to put up huge numbers. And at the time it was, there were huge numbers for Carolina, but Keldorf threw for 2,347 yards, had a great season for Carolina that year, did everything he was. They'd be saying he had an awful year or did he play half the year? It's just the difference in expectations, but these guys sort of started setting them for this Carolina team these days. And LC was a big part. Don't forget Nay Brown. I mean, Nay Brown was uh, – he allowed LC to get deep a lot yeah. of the times, especially in this game. And then you had, you know, Freddie Jones, another monster. I mean, Keldorf had an embarrassment of riches. They weren't big names at the time. They be, they've they become bigger names. And then you got Octavius Barnes that – like they kept saying is coming off an injury had a, a, a you know an okay year off an injury but yeah it, it's lc was a guy you know lc is a it, you get a 6-4 guy that can run and that's a problem even today and he certainly <laughs> was that day for clemson it's third down three to go the nose of the ball just inside
0: the clemson 15-yard line 6 08 to play in the third quarter. McGregor and Linton split behind the quarterback, Chris Keldor. He's going to pass into the end zone. There. He just went up and got it. And that's one of those plays where you say, you know what? I think you're a better athlete and I'm going to let you go get the football. A 14 yard touchdown grab. Watch this. Peter Ford on coverage and he's in position. He's not beaten. Look at him. There's 29. He's all set to go. Uh uh-uh. uh. He just got a better athlete going up and getting the football and keeping that one foot in balance. LC Stevens took the elevator to the top floor, John. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Big dude, uh, big hands. Absolutely bodied some guys. Uh, you trying to catch, uh, trying to catch some toss-up balls. Uh, again, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the guys that put up stats in this game. We talked about Kilduff. We talked about Leon Johnson. Chris Watson had a few carries. Jonathan Litton, who you saw catching the ball out of the backfield, that would be a kind of a, a preview of what he would do uh, before his senior season in Chapel Hill. Uh, you mentioned. Uh, Freddie Jones who would go on to have a great career in the NFL I forgot how big and often they used him attached to the line of scrimmage and pass plays and would just have him run what's essentially a a, you know a 10-yard go I mean straight off the line that was amazing to watch guys I'll hit you before we before we try to get out of here play of the game in your mind Lee Pace I'll go to you first
3: well, oh, I would take, uh, you know, Dre Bly and Robert Williams making the big breakups early in the game.
1: That's, that's pretty that, that, easy.
3: That set the tone.
1: Absolutely. I think it's – it. like you guys said earlier, it showed that UNC had some stability on the back end and they they weren't going to be thrown upon, even if Neelon Green, who I felt like that day, could not throw the ball, you know, in the ocean if he was standing in a boat. But uh, yet I digress because a lot of that had to do with the defense. Tommy, play the game.
2: Uh, Omar Brown's hit on third and two after – after the first um, <laughs> L.C. Stevens touchdown, they made, I think they made it 17, t, uh, 17 nothing. Clemson gets the ball back. Um, and then things still, went sideways. Yeah, still a game, and then they have a third and two, and Omar comes out of the backfield or, or comes up from the defensive backfield to stop a toss or an option, and then it was over. Uh, like I said, defense is my thing. And that once that happened, that game was over.
0: Third and two for the Tigers on the option. Priester it's gonna be close, and I'm telling you, the North Carolina Tar Heels are bringing the wood. They are. They are getting after it, aren't they? Omar Brown came up from a safety position to put the sombrero on Priester. You have got to have your chin strap on tightly today.
1: They, they had some thumpers. That, that's a great point because it it was after the touchdown that it got really loud. Uh, and then when, when, yeah, when Omar Brown came up and, and, and busted this play wide open, that uh that really set the crowd uh, a frenzy, which, again, it was kind of cool to see uh, a just about capacity Keenan Stadium, knowing how hot it was and knowing that, you know, they didn't have the enclosed stadium that we have now. The fact that it got so loud on TV, you know, kind of made you think what if all right guys parting shots before we get out of here lee your overall kind of sense about what this game meant not only in as you broke up not only in the four stages of mac 1.0 but what did this game mean as a whole for carolina football for mac brown and maybe even for you know does it have anything to do with with what we see now again it was a season opener it did set the tone for a season
3: well, it was uh, it was a statement game. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, that's it's why I featured this game as the as the premier game in Keenan Stadium in the 1990s. Uh, it, 96 and 97 arguably were the finest two-year run back to back in Carolina history. Uh, you know, you could make an, L, an argument. 80, 81 were pretty stout with Carolina winning the ACC championship its last in 1980, but. Um, um, I, I think the offense had evolved in '96 and '97 to be more more diverse and more varied than what Carolina was running in '80 80 and '81. So it just uh, it, it, it set the tone, um, and it was a, a great era that ultimately helped get Mac Brown the job at, at Texas. You know, you could have you you can of course sit back and say, well, what would he have done had he stayed at Carolina? And who knows, he may have developed a Dean Smith type career, but. I think going to Texas was the right move for him because it's a job he wanted. It was an, it was a football intensive school that he wanted. Um, so I, I think he made the right decision and, you know, the the gods have smiled down on it and he comes back and has a, uh, a second go at Carolina. And, you know, just as he was chasing Florida state in the nineties now he's chasing Clemson and uh, getting a little bit closer year by year. So I think things are set up now with, with offense and the defense finally getting back where we want. I've I've said many times people uh, are, are gnashing their teeth this year over Carolina what they lost at running back and receiver. I think the offense is going to be fine. The difference is going to be defense and kicking game. That to me is what the 2021 season is going to be all about is defense and kicking game.
1: Sure. I I also, I want to point out at the end of this game, again, knowing what we know now about the run that Clemson football is on with Dabo Swinney and the titles that they've been able to, to win down there. At the end of this game, the announcers actually had the gall to say something about, well, now North Carolina needs to worry about, are they running up the score and, you know, sportsmanship, et cetera, et cetera. I found that to be somewhat ironic and, and quite tasty considering (laughs) where we sit here in, in 2021, Tommy parting shots about this game your thoughts as to how it feels within the annals of, of Carolina history. I think Lee did a great job of giving a historical perspective
2: from Keenan stadium, but how, how do you feel about it? Yeah, you should let me go first. Cause I can't, <laughs> I can't Sorry about follow that. Mr. Pace, but <laughs> Matt Brown, his first tenure, um, I think there were three statement games, the 90 Georgia tech game where you tie the ultimate or the uh, future national champion. The USC game, the real USC game out in California, um, where they put a thumping on them, and then this game. Those were the three, I mean, they sort of go in the same thing Lee talked about, the stages of Mac 1.0. Um, you have to make statements to everybody around that we're here. And I think Mac, when he came back to Carolina, and I don't even like to think about what would have happened if he had stayed, those, <laughs> those I think we'd. yeah I don't know who knows let it go bro let it go (laughs) exactly but I I think when Mike got back to Chapel Hill it sort of awake what had gone to sleep Bobby Bowden always talked about sleeping giant whatever I'm not going there but it sort of reminded the people at Carolina that are still around that football is king even though basketball has been the thing for Carolina for years and had those had that mindset been here in 97 98 who knows what would have happened but now folks realize and max uh, done a great job of impressing on people that football is the way i'm reminded about and we talk about money and finances all that a friend of mine is going to his son's going to alabama they went down there for his visit this past uh, a couple weeks ago everything is brand new everything even in this day and age of financial troubles at times, everything's brand new. And he asked the building supervisor for why. And he said, because we've got so much money because of football, we don't know what to do with it. So we just build new stuff. That's how Mac Brown um, has been able to get folks in Chapel Hill now to understand football. I think we'll see that resurgence. I think we'll see that continued effort to make football number one. Max showed it back then. Then you got 20 years of a dead period for the most part. And now here we are. I think that Clemson game and this Virginia Tech game coming up um, Labor Day weekend, I think they're very, very similar um, in the, the arc of Carolina football. And we'll see what happens in September.
1: And Tar Heel fans would definitely love to see uh, a similar outcome as they saw of this season opener back in 1996 in Keenan. though uh, the 2021 season opener will be on the road in Blacksburg. Uh, I want to give a huge shout out to Lee Pace. If you have not, please get your hands on some of Lee Pace's books and his works. Um, The man is not only a golf writer extraordinaire, he has done Football in a Forest, which you saw a second ago. Uh, Check it out on your screen. Lee, we're in this, what, second
3: run of those? yep yeah, did a second edition um, uh, just last year. came out in June.
1: Yep. Um, so I've got that. I showed you guys a second ago. I've got a copy of that. It's a phenomenal book. It's not just a coffee table book, though. It's beautiful enough with the photography and the, the insert visual pieces that are in it. It makes a great coffee table book. But there's just a ton of knowledge. And Lee's been following Carolina football and covering it for the Tar Heel Sports Network forever. You'll hear him during games as a sideline reporter. Uh, and also, uh, another project that we talked about on Inside Carolina Live, Tommy and I did, First Pass. Uh, I was lucky enough to do a, a little backstory project that Lee was helpful on, uh, but talking about the day that uh, the First Pass originated in a North Carolina football game. So make sure you check that out. Uh, Lee, are both of those available at Johnny T-Shirt?
3: They are, Yeah. Okay, so Johnny
1: T-Shirt, johnnyt shirt.com. Absolutely. Uh, make sure you check them out. And while we're talking about Johnny T-shirt, you know, we love them. Tommy loves them. Lee loves them. Go pick up these two books because if you're a Carolina football fan or you proclaim to be, I'm going to check your credentials because if you don't have either of these two books and here's first pass, uh, if you don't have these two books, I'm going to question if you're really a Carolina football fan, go to Johnny T-shirt, shirt.com right there on Franklin street in Chapel Hill, pick up your copy of the second edition of football in a forest or first pass. I promise, I promise, I promise you will enjoy the reads of both of those. While you're on summer vacation, it's a good thing to take along with you. Plop down at the beach or at the pool and go through them. Uh, first pass is a quick read, but very, very good insight and knowledge and some bits that I didn't know. Um, and that doesn't say much, but uh, you'll learn something. And then again, football and forest, just an absolutely breathtaking read. It's just beautifully done, an amazing project. Check that out. Johnny T-shirt, shirt.com. You know, as an Inside Carolina premium subscriber, you get an extra 10% off. So hit them up. We love Johnny T. Appreciate them sponsoring the show. Uh, boys, why don't we put a bow on this? I'm going to go talk to uh, a player that had an impact in this game Shh, right after we get done with this. But uh, last words before we get out of here, Tommy, you got anything you want to tell any, any of the people that you've got worked on uh, other than your amazing uh, Inside Carolina radio show that you do in the fall?
2: Uh, we uh, we are looking forward to another great Carolina football season, covering it for inside Carolina, doing these radio shows, talking to guys like Lee Pace, and getting that knowledge brought to everybody that listens to these shows. And it's look, it's an honor for me to be on this uh, this show twenty five years ago, half my life ago, to sit here and talk about Carolina and Clemson in nineteen ninety six with Joey Powell, but especially with you, uh, Mr. Lee Pace. I appreciate it. How easy is it to bring a guy like Lee on the show to make us look so smart? Yeah, I just sit back. I should have just sat here with a drink.
1: and let's... <laughs> You see how I work. Lee, uh, anything else you want to plug before we get out of here and let folks know what you're working on other than getting back to the sideline this fall?
3: No, uh, George, uh, Tommy, I appreciate uh, you guys having me on. It's been a lot of fun uh, going back in memory lane. I'm just looking forward to getting back hopefully in a mask maskless environment with uh, 60,000 fans in Keenan Stadium and other events and getting back up into a more normal environment uh, and a lot of fun to come in 2021. Yes, sir. Well, for Tommy, actually for the venerable and knowledgeable
1: and you know, the guy that casts all of the knowledge onto this episode of the throwback Lee pace. uh, I'm just Joey Powell. We appreciate you guys joining us. Stick around. Uh, We've got another part of the show that you won't want to miss talking with one of the major contributors from that defense. Uh, But once you hear that, you'll know what I'm talking about. But this has been uh, The Throwback on InsideCarolina.com. Talk to you in just one second.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.
3: Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: 3.52 to play in the third quarter. Horn. All wound up and nowhere to go. Tony Horn brought down, ran about 60 yards, and I think he got back to the line of scrimmage. Mike Pringley, number 91, making the tackle. No gain on the play.
1: All right, thank you all for sticking around here on this episode of The Throwback, episode two of season two. We're talking about the 1996 season opener against Clemson, which was an absolute just skull-dragging Uh, In in Chapel Hill at the hands of the Tar Heels over the Tigers. And right now, back from Dirty Jersey, number 91, Mike Pringley on defensive lineman who, if you were like me rewatching this game, you saw 91 jumping right off the screen at you along with the rest of his D line mates, because as we talked about with earlier with Tommy and Lee. This game absolutely was a coming out party for what would be an amazing run of D line success, mm-hmm. and so first off, Mike, how you doing, man?
4: I'm blessed, man. Thanks for having me on. Um, it's been a, you know, it's been a roller coaster as far as uh, these last years, you know, since leaving UNC. So it's been, I um, still, like I said, still came in touch with a lot of the guys, but um, still a proud, proud alumnus, man. So um, proud to be a Tar Heel. Well, I want
1: that's a that's a, actually a uh, I think a good segue for us to get into this. What was the first thing that came to your mind when when I reached out to you about being on the show? What was the first thing that came to your mind about this particular game against Clemson in '96?
4: Well, with this particular game, it was it was big because it was the opening game. Normally, you don't play a game of that magnitude that early on. So we knew going into that game that it would, we, we knew we had a good team based off of last year's team, you know, um, I think we were, I forget the record, but we lost like four or five, but we, we we knew going into this, that season that we had a chance to be really, really good. And we knew if we, with this particular game, it was going really kind of set the tone. Cause I think we had, we had a rough, we knew we was going to have a tough schedule, mm-hmm. but we knew if we were, if we could establish ourselves, that opening game we didn't know it was going to go to that extreme, you know, with that with, with the way the score and everything turned out. But we knew if we can set the tone for that game, that it was going to be really huge as far as us going through the rest of the season.
1: Yeah. What was if you can remember, what was prep like for this? Because I know, you know, you've got spring ball, you've got fall camp where you're basically just working on fundamentals. Then you start doing some install when you got to those last weeks maybe the week leading up to clemson what was the prep like going into the season opener because as you said you usually don't have a game of this magnitude right out of the gate so what was prep like for this game
4: well one thing about us that we kind of learned about each other earlier on you know we 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 base ourselves off of classes i call we call ourselves i'm the 94 class so we all got nicknames I and mean, we call ourselves nine quad you have uh the 95 class nine live the, the 93 class they call themselves nine trace so we have uh, 92 classes nine nine do so we 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 kind of established a brotherhood that's just how it carried on so we knew kind of how good we were so we were really loose going into that week I mean because we kind of in the back of our mind we know we had put the work in we know we prepared well but we we knew that we were good like we mm-hmm. we knew a lot a lot of people didn't know but we knew Mac and then Mac is the ultimate 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 Motivator, as far as like um, not allowing you to, he wants you to be confident, but he don't want you to be overconfident and cocky to where you start making mental mistakes, stuff that you don't, you know, routinely do in practice, rep over and over again. But he wants you to be confident and 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 but respectful. Only thing about Matt, he wants you to be confident, respectful, and just play hard, play the game hard, fast, um, explosive power. Mad Dog, our strength coach. Man, let me tell you something. Mad Dog.
1: I love a good Mad Dog story.
4: Mad Dog, let me tell you something. When, when, when it was time for a cold red, and we call cold red when, them, when we coming out that tunnel, getting ready to explode with that smoke and everything coming out. But we knew if we can get through what Mad Dog was putting us through in that weight room <laughs> and on, and, then that, and then that sand pit and in them hills and running around that daggone campus and on that daggone turf with the <laughs> steam coming off that turf, uh um hundred and some odd degrees and, and him hosing us down like some cattle. Uh <laughs> you know if, if, if you can get through that with mad dog let me tell you something come saturday at 12 one o'clock and it's hundred degrees out there in Kenan that was easy
1: that was a vacation so if you that was there. easy
4: that was that was that was showtime that was that was the that was the the let out the fresh the frustration that you just went through all week, so yeah, that that was that was it was time to perform. Then we had a bunch of performers, so we was ready to roll. I, I
1: absolutely love a good mad dog story. I've talked to oh, some other in the past, but uh I love how also how you mentioned you know Coach Brown being the the motivator that he was. I'm sure he let you guys know and had you thinking that Clemson was you know the the 1986 Bears or something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
4: Yeah, the one thing about Coach Brown now because. You know, obviously Clemson. You know, really good program, but they've always had a good program. Clemson, mm-hmm. obviously, there they've been doing really well now, winning championships. But you know, the, the, the name Clemson. You know, just like you know, the Florida State's out there. Mm-hmm. It still carries a a, a, a lot of weight, mm-hmm. and we were still, you know, quote unquote. Uh, Basketball, you—you know—we were still a basketball university. Right. Uh, don't know, you know, them, them boys down there with the powder blue helmets—they don't play no football down there. So you know, we we were probably the citadel from, from what everybody else probably thought, what our what way we our <laughs> uniforms look. Like. But but yeah, so we 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 couldn't take anything for granted because we had a lot we had a lot to prove. Because like you say, you know, when you think University of North Carolina. And I knew this before I, you know, when I got recruited coming down here, you think of uh, Dean Smith, you Mm -hmm. think of Michael Jordan, you think because one thing I, I, when I'm from being from New Jersey, you know, I grew up a Giants fan. Mm -hmm. So I was a big time Lawrence Taylor fan as well. But if I mention University of North Carolina up in New Jersey, the first thing they're going to say is Michael Jordan Jordan. and Dean Smith. They don't never know, say Lawrence Taylor. They, so they have no clue. They know Lawrence, but they don't know where he can play ball at. So, so we knew we had a lot to um, prove. But like I said, we knew that it was going to be the it, it was going to be a changing of the guard. Like we were going to set the tone for this to, to be a football program, not just a football a football program, not a school, yeah. a program. So it's a lot. It's a big difference. So we knew we, we we can make this this can be a special a factory type you know place. We can be on there with the Clemson's. Florida States, you know, and, and and those those type of schools there. We can compete with them and beat them, you know.
1: This was uh, – you're absolutely right. This game – and one of the reasons we want to talk about this game was not just because we're looking at a, a, a similar situation with Mac Brown 2.0 going to Blacksburg the first game this year, mm-hmm. but this game being a season opener against a brand like Clemson allowed you guys to put your stamp of arrival, I guess, for lack of a better term – to, to say that, Hey, 95 wasn't a fluke. We are getting better. Help me understand when you're talking about, you know, all the guys that you guys had in your class, but also on that defensive unit, because it was, it would end up being one of the better defensive units we've ever seen in North Carolina. Help us understand how such a talented group of guys worked together because it was, it was at every position. I mean, you guys right. had, had young, you know, red shirt freshmen starting in the, in the back four in this game, and then you had so much experience in the front seven. Help us understand how such a talented defense works together. Uh, you know, coming out of the gates, first game of the season, how do you guys know what to, you know, how to how to just make each other great in the first game of the year?
4: But, you know, in, it was very, in practice, it was very competitive. So being that you had guys um, at every position, whether it was first team, second team, it, it, it didn't matter because, you knew that if you were off your, if you were off in practice, it was another guy that was going to come in mm-hmm. and pretty much take your place, just like that. So guys were already on their um their best as far as performing in practice because they knew you can lose your job mm-hmm. anytime. And Coach Brown did not care who mm-hmm. played. He did not care if long as you doing what you got to do to earn your scholarship and you're performing, that's who's going to play. So he didn't, he didn't have time for the feelings. He wasn't worried about your feelings. Mm-hmm. He loved you to death, but let me tell you something, Whoever is performing is going to play. So we challenged each other, um, on the defensive line or in one-on-one pass rush drills, uh, you know, we challenged each other, you know, and we we all wanted to be the best. We all wanted to get on the field and play. So, and, and, and the thing about this, everybody on that defense, everybody, even a lot of the um, backers every had a, had played either played in the NFL mm-hmm. or or was on, was in an NFL camp. Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, all, almost all the whole defense had at some point a shot either played or was in the camp in, in the NFL which is, you know, which is unbelievable, man. So um, I was just blessed. I seen Coach Brown probably maybe – he had his Mac Brown camp, football camp, uh, Mm -hmm. probably a couple weeks ago. I was over there, and um, I spoke with him then. And uh, and I was – and and, and I can say it was just a blessing to be able to play with those guys, you know, you're talking about Rick Terry, Vonnie Holiday, Greg Ellis, Russell Davis – Marcus Dow, he played, he got shot the Bengals, Andre Purvis, um, um, Nate Hobgood-Chitty, God bless his soul, um, Brian Simmons, so Kay Mays, you're talking about um, uh, Robert Williams, Dre Bly, uh, Greg Williams, who's the assistant coach right now for the um, um, Arizona Cardinals right now, DB coach, um, J- Jomo Leggins, you know, you talking about guys that um, Brandon Spoon, he didn't even start. He mm-hmm. he was a, it was he a freshman. Was just, Keith Newman wasn't even a start at the time. He was just, because he was behind James Hamilton. Mm-hmm. You're talking about guys, man, the, all these guys. You, so just to, to, as far as just the, the challenging one another, everybody holding everybody accountable. See, that, that's the thing. So you could not fake it in practice. You couldn't fake it because if you Weren't any good.
1: It was going to show. Well, it I'm was sure, going to show. Well, I'm sure your your, your brothers on that side of the ball. If you were slipping a little bit, your brothers on the side of the ball, we're going to let you know about it too. Oh yeah,
4: they that, that let you know about doing the game.
1: Rick, Rick Terry was a prime example of that.
4: Yeah, I can't I can't say what I want to say on, on here, but Rick Terry let you know. <laughs> hey, hey hey man, you need to you you need to do what you're doing out there, but he gonna say it to you in a different way, you know so man but Marcus Jones even Marcus Jones Marcus Jones gone prior to that game but Marcus um you tell talking about a guy that was just flat out I never seen anybody like Marcus Jerry I never seen anything coming out of high school I, hung, I, I was around Jones a lot we, we went out a lot and stuff I don't know I just connected with Jones but Jones was one of those guys I mean when you when it came to the weight room I mean this guy would warm up with 415 pounds, like a warm-up set. You know what I mean? I've never seen a guy that big, that strong, that gifted. Um, that Mark Jones was unbelievable. Yeah, Michael Jones was uh, unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. He just wasn't very he was he wasn't very flexible, which he was, but he was so strong it didn't matter. You know what I mean? But yeah. So it was a pleasure, man. It was a blessing, man, working with, with them guys, man.
1: So at what point, and this is kind of a, this is a little bit of a tricky question, but I think you're going to connect with what I'm, what I'm trying to set up here. At what point did you guys on the sidelines, all those guys you just named, you know, NFL players everywhere in Carolina blue, at what point did you guys feel like you were going to handle Clemson? So at some point in the game, y'all realized that Nealon Green, whoever they were lined up against at some point y'all realized, okay, new quarterback, Keldorf spinning the ball. We're picking passes off. We're getting to to on Green all day. He can't move the ball. They can't do anything. At what point did it click for y'all and you said, "Oh no, this is getting ready to get ugly for them."
4: Well, see, the big talk was because you know Priester Raymond Priester was the guy coming in. Yep. You know, um, running back. Them. I remember. Yeah, I remember him. Priester was the guy, and we knew he's like, if we, if we stop, we stop the run because we're going to take take the run away, and then we're going to make you know we're going to make them try to throw the ball, which is n- n- not really what they were. Pretty much known for really doing, because sure. they wanted to get downhill. They wanted to run it. They had them big offensive linemen um, coming off the ball. So um, we knew when we got a few stops. I remember when we got a few stops on them uh, opening game, and we when we tested that. Because we all what we what we used to, what we always used to do as a D line on the first series. It do matter what game it was. Mm-hmm. We call it testing the offensive alignment. So when we when we take that initial dump and then. Feel what they're coming with. After that series is over, we come to sideline and say, "Oh, them boys is weak. Them boys is soft as cotton." So, so keep going we with that. Do, so we, so when that, when that initial, when that first initial series normally happens, and 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 we come to sideline with that, everybody light up. Then it's like the other yeah, man, they them boys, them boys soft. All that stuff y'all seen on film. Nah, this. This here is about to be a, a misunderstanding today, so it, it's uh <laughs> yeah it, 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 so that from that, from that point on, we already knew it, they they can't they can't really move the ball on us man so and defensively we had a, we had a different type of uh, attitude and it showed in practice because it was times that it got so bad in practice that Mac Brown would not let the first team defense sometimes practice against the offense because we just it would just mess everything up so it got to that point during my career where it was like you know we can't even get nothing done on offense so it was one of them type of things so we knew as long as the, if the offense because we got leon back that's said, man i think octavius was a little banged up but we knew if we could put up some we could put some points up they not they're gonna have a hard time scoring on us they're gonna have a hard time scoring on us. because we just kept if you if you notice that game every we were rotating like crazy we no, probably right. played about counted, nine guys I counted
1: 10 defensive line nine, nine or ten guys
4: mm-hmm. yeah tito simpson tito yep we played so many guys we stayed fresh because it was already hot it was blistering hot that game but um we we, we just kept the rotate even in the interior we just kept it fresh so it was like yeah it's going it's gonna be a long. It's gonna be a long day for them.
1: I love that fact that you guys you talk about testing the offense, and then you know it. it took you just a couple of series, and all of a sudden, you guys are making plans to meet at the quarterback on the sideline. Oh yeah, so that's that's a that's a nice touch. I think something that, uh, like you said, I remember there being just a really strong rotation. I counted ten guys when I rewatched it that were that were getting you know mm-hmm. getting solid reps from the defense. So I want to go a, a little bit farther, you know, and, and going back to that game. Y'all were stout throughout. It took the offense a little bit to kind of start clicking in the third quarter, you know, the, the floodgates opened. So help me. Uh, so last question before I let you go, but help me understand this game. Like you said, with all the expectation going into it, you've got an entire offseason of prep. You're going to get some name brand. You're getting everybody's attention. You've just absolutely just clobbered them on TV, 45 to nothing. Yeah. You know, their coaches over there scratching his head, looking completely lost on the sidelines what happens after that game in the locker room and in the next week of prep to where you guys are able to use this game to set up what ended up being one of the most successful seasons that North Carolina football has ever seen. Well, we, we wanted to, we wanted to win it. We wanted to win every game and we wanted to win a nice championship.
4: I mean, we felt like at that time that we can really compete with anybody, you know, and, you know, and I, I we didn't have the most explosive offense, mm-hmm. um, but we were efficient, and but we 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 took everything. It was almost it's almost like that the the, the mentality that the Baltimore Ravens or the um, you know Buccaneers had when they when they played. We 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 put everything defensively. We put everything on ourselves. It was like, man, look, if they don't score, they don't win. If if we can hold. You know that's just the bottom line. We we, we didn't gets
1: twenty. The offense gets twenty. The defense will win the game.
4: Well, yeah, but we stay out of that. We we didn't. we wouldn't. We, we didn't chastise each other back and forth. We stayed out of it. We want, We want. We needed to handle our business. Be as dominant as we can, um, and give ourselves a chance to be there at the end, no matter what game it was. But we we knew. We we knew. Especially after that game there, man, we got some, we got some cooking here. We just need to keep grinding, keep playing. You know, stay out of trouble. Do what we got to do in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Make sure you get able to get on the field, and, and and we're gonna be just fine. And then, as you can see, I think we went ten and two that year. Mm-hmm. And, and matter of fact, we should have went. I mean, the Florida State game was a was a tough game. I can't think of that score, but I know we the VA game we pretty much had that game won. Yeah, and I think that's the interception. I yep. think that could changed everything around because we hadn't still ain't won hadn't won in Charlottesville. We were going to doubt the game. We should have won in Charlottesville, yep. and uh, I'm still sick to this day. We got to talk about that one another time because that was, that game made me sick as a dog. I'll bring I'm some. I'll bring some trash cans dog.
1: and a lot of uh, a lot of Pepto Bismol and you just, just
4: the feeling from that game is a whole nother issue. But uh, and then the next year, obviously, we went 11 and one, mm-hmm. and uh, once again. Lost a tough game to Florida State, and I believe that was a 13. Was that uh, what was that game? The No, we lost an ESPN, that was a mm-hmm. uh, primetime game, judgment night, judgment night. Yep. Number six, we i mean, we had them right where we want them, but we just hell for everybody we had on defense, they had on defense. Yeah. <laughs> that's
1: that's so the game, we that was a
4: but I'm gonna tell you the the. That that this that year that ninety six year, you know, they give 10 to two. Our best, we we should have beat Florida State. We I think we lost thirteen to nothing down mm-hmm. in Tallahassee when they had their the Ward done the Peter yep. Ward. But you understand, them boys, they had a tough time crossing the field on uh, yep. against us. Ward done broke one big run, and you know they got a couple field goals. But we 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 had a tough time moving the ball. But we were we were we were right there again. So it's like it's just it was just like man, we had some tough ones. And um, you know, it, and I know, and then I think my that 97 year uh, coach Brown went to uh, took the Texas job mm-hmm. that year, and then we went into the bowl game and we just beat smashed uh, Virginia Tech that next year. But um, the, the program even to, to this day now, you know, it, it, we we took some hits. You know, because the rec- we lost control of the recruitment mm-hmm. a little bit over the last several years, you know, mm-hmm. and I think w- w- when they brought Coach Brown back, I was always I was always praying that they kind of brought Coach Brown back, but I knew they were bringing Coach Brown back for a purpose, not necessarily to win every game, but to make sure we take back the recruiting to right the ship. To write the ship and coach. I mean, I, I guess he got some guys over there now. I would like to say I was just over there. I mean, I'm about some guys that enrolled in January. Some big boys, they all about they all about uh length. They all about <laughs> length over there. So them boys about six, seven, six, eight, six, six, freshmen, sophomores, and um he got it, he got it going on the right track. Like I said, that VTech game, opening game, that's gonna be that's gonna be a measure point because I think everybody is talent in Virginia Tech to be um, pretty pretty good this year. But that's going to be a tough place to play. I never Actually, I personally never played in Blacksburg, I don't think. Um, I don't think I've ever played in Blacksburg.
1: It's a tough environment, man. You, you make a great point, you know, in, in lining up the parallels between your season opener 96 and this one this year. You know, same coach, same uh, verge of, of big-time, you know, program longevity and success. All right. I love how you've couched this. I love being able to hear the frustration in your voice of just getting right there to the precipice of 96 and 97 and, and getting so close. Is there any one thing you want to talk about this game or about Mac Brown before we let you go that, that you feel like our listeners and our viewers need to hear about?
4: Yeah, well, I think, man, if you don't, if they don't know by now, especially our target fans, even if you're not Tarha fan, one thing about coach Brown is coach Brown is the ultimate, ultimate players coach he is an ultimate motivator he he's going to get if you if you give him give him everything you got he's going to give you everything he got in return but he's going to put you in a place to be successful he's going to set you up for success give you an opportunity to succeed and he doesn't forget about none of his players none of his players whether you're Texas Longhorn UNC Tar Heel he doesn't forget about none of the guys. I mean, but but he's all about preparation. He's all about, you know, putting the work in. And he he doesn't take – he don't believe in shortcuts. Um, Dre Bly, who's coaching over there for that, now, and he brought uh, – I think Natron Means is back mm-hmm. with him now, which is pretty awesome. You got Tommy Thigpen over there. <clears throat> Coach Browning, I saw him. Yet. He's still around there. Um, I think Daryl Moody is a consultant mm-hmm. around there. So I saw Brian Davis. So, he got guys that's um, – you know around the program that's that that that's, that's used to winning, that 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 knows what it means to be a tar heel. Because you gotta understand something, you know, that it's a special type of family over there. It's not a four-year decision, it's a 40-year decision. Yes, sir. When you join that program, when you join the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, you better bet you, you, you you're gonna bleed blue for the rest of your life. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying so it's it, no and I told my son the other day, my son plays uh it is in Texas, he's 16 and um Loves to play basketball, so he's all about basketball, basketball. And I told him, I say, you know, son, I'm, I'm, I'm behind you 100%. Whatever school you decide to, you know, if you get an opportunity to get go to school, I said, man, I'm, I, I will back you with any school. You can go any school. I'm, I got behind you 110%. Mm-hmm. There's only one school I can't back you on, them. <laughs> and that's North Carolina State. Look, that's that's that's. I'm gonna father. tell you right now. I said I'm now. I, I'm going to go to the games. I'm going to cheer you on to do well, but cheer I'm going you. to hope that you lose. <laughs> I'm going to hope that you lose the game. Period. So just, I'm just putting that. I put that out there so he can understand. If it ever came down to that, There's not a shock to him or surprise. You know, I love so that. I, I love just, that fatherhood <laughs> wisdom, man.
1: That's, that's just that is that is a dad letting a son know how the real world works. Well, Mike, we appreciate it, man. It's uh, it's great to talk to you. It's good to good to see you. Pleasure, face face man. Pleasure. Again. I know our fans and our uh, IC subscribers will be uh, really happy to hear from you as we relive this 1996 season opener against Clemson. But I appreciate you. Uh, and, you know, thanks you. Thanks for having me. giving us giving all this uh, insight from from that game. Hope you continue to do well. We appreciate everybody listening. Want to give a big shout out to Johnny T-Shirt for sponsoring, uh, to Tommy Ashley and Lee Pace for joining in the panel session, to Mike Pringley for being here. Uh, you know, Linden, New Jersey's own, spending his time to talk with us here on Inside Carolina on the Throwback, Season 2, Episode 2. Thank you to John Siegley for producing. We will catch you guys next time down the road. Late. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Go All right. Yes, sir. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you soon.